Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Mandy. And this is Love Sober. The podcast for the sober and sober curious. Hi, and welcome back to Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and sober curious. And today I'm really pleased to welcome Hints Nemasi. So, hi Hints. Hello. How are you doing today? Um, yeah, I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, okay. We were talking, weren't we, about the fact that we're recording on um on a Monday morning and it happens to be the kind of favourite part of the week. Yes. <laughs> and the pressure of long weekends, which I think a lot of people listening in will actually relate to from a sober point of view. But so Hint is a 30-something musician based in Brighton. Um, they have been in the forefront of the Brighton indie scene the last few years with their band Sun and Air. Um, they also host Assuming Form on Slack City Radio, which is a monthly show on navigating life and identity when you've always been the outsider because of race, ethnicity, gender or sexuality. Hint is also passionate and very open about their own mental health and neurodiversity and how this has inevitably been intertwined with alcohol abuse in their 20s and it's something that I relate to actually on various levels and I can't wait to dive into this with you Hint and if you can start at the decision to kind of go alcohol free and what brought you to that decision to tell the listeners. So I've been sober since the 1st of January 2022 and this is my second attempt Uh, I feel like I should say before, though, that I only started drinking at 23. So it was February 2015. So yeah, 23, I was going on to 24. Uh, So I kind of have a short drinking career, but it it was very intense. Um, When I decided to go sober last year, it was mostly because I started a treatment called Roaccutane. You might have heard of it. It's a treatment uh, for acne. It's nothing too serious, but it's very intense um, and it dries you out so you can't have alcohol with it although no doctors said that it was just my own decision because it makes your hangover so much worse and I was so excited to finally because I was 29 at the time still had terrible skin um, mostly just really due to my skin being the way it was it wasn't due to lifestyle Um, so I thought okay I'm going to do this and I had sort of external pressure because of the medication I wanted it to work so badly so I thought okay this is a great excuse Um, but I was it was also for my mental health no, it just kind of makes sense. But um, on my 30th birthday, I uh, just because of a silly mistake at the <laughs> a silly accident at the at the bar, I went for a cocktail to a cocktail bar and uh, the, the barman asked for a um, virgin espresso martini, I think it was. And he came back saying, this is all flat and disgusting. I don't want to serve it to you. So I just thought, oh, OK, well, just make it a normal one. It's my 30th. I'll just have one cocktail. Uh, and did the the night at 8am the next day I missed therapy and then I just went back to my horrible all drinking habit so by the 30th 1st of December um, last year I decided to try again and this time for good mostly yeah, for my mental health I have terrible mental health have very high anxiety that like, on a daily basis nothing triggers it it's just my default mode I suffer from depression as well I'm constantly broke um terrible at managing money uh and also I love to drink to just numb everything to just escape from everything um and to feel like I have some sort of sense of connection with people and I thought that's that's enough of that if I want to ever 
you know, do something with, actually do something with my life and try and save money to, to make myself happier. I need to stop drinking. It's so, because alcohol is so prevalent and so expected and accepted, I can feel that. I can sort of hear that decision-making process at, at that bar. And then, and then, yeah, like you said, the kind of, I mean, I thought when I when I was circling the airport, as I like to put it, with with sort of stopping, and there had to be a few circles of the airport before it was really making sense, rather than something I just mm. should be doing, and actually something that was like, okay, I also have the experience of period of alcohol free living mm. to base it sort of before and after, if you like, mm. um, yeah, and it sounds like that you know really foundational piece that mm -hmm. it so kind of often is but but tell us about you know this because I know you've told me as well that there are um links with your neurodiversity and you've been you have a working diagnosis of ADHD I think you told that's me that's correct yeah and how you understand that that segues in mm -hmm. with the stuff that you've talked about you said I am terrible with money I am this I am that and somehow the alcohol worked in some ways but made some things awfully much worse and how that yeah how that segues with into ADHD and what you understand about that now so first of all I'm all or nothing constantly in all areas of my life um well I try to be less that now that I understand what ADHD is um so that's why I can't have some drinks. I'm not interested in drinking in moderation. I don't even like the taste that much. <laughs> um, and it, yeah, when it comes to money, it's just once I start spending, it's just it's so addictive. Uh, even if I I don't have it, like it doesn't matter if it's overdraft, if it's borrowed money, if it's money I have in my account, it really doesn't matter. It's just a matter of spending the money and seeing mm. seeing it go. Um, I've never been someone who hoard anything materialistic. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm okay with that, but I, you know, you, I'd, I'd love to, you know, I don't, how, how can I say this? Um, I'd love to do something a bit better and just not feel financial insecurity all the time. Um, and when it comes to other ways I can see the, into how ADHD intertwines with alcohol is that as soon as you know, work finished, I was lucky enough that uh, alcohol didn't really impact on my, on my day at work. Mm -hmm because it's just, you know, I'm not interested in, in these two things mixing together. Once I'm in my free time, I'm just, I just, I was just seeking something more, something exciting. And I was just feeling numb all the time. Mm. Okay, I'm getting a little bit lost uh, here in my thoughts, but how can I explain this? It's, it's fine. So it's all, always, always about seeking exciting sensations. Mm. Uh, and when I'm out, so I love going out to pubs, to gigs, clubs, um, but I have, it was always a matter of how much can I drink as quickly as possible so that I can feel comfortable here with the volume, the smells, the conversations, people being so close to your face when they talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sometimes even the, like, I, I don't, I'm not an affectionate person. I, I love my friends, but I don't like touching people and but the, the more people drink, the more affectionate they are without asking you. So I feel like I had to drink as well as as much so that I could be okay with random hugs or random people touching you. Also, I cannot 
talk to strangers. I really cannot. Um, So if I'm in a social situation where I don't know anyone, I had to pre-drink big time. (laughs) Yeah. And I think what you're um, describing, how much, and myself, you know, how much of that shoehorning ourselves into social situations, that feeling of shut down, being numb, so sensory seeking with alcohol because of that upper and downer effect of it. And then that kind of almost, um, yeah, it's like a buffer, a sensory buffer. So it is, you know, um, I spoke to a great coach um, called Jolene Park, who lives in the States, and she explains alcohol as like a dirty drug in that it hits every single one of the neurotransmitters. Oh, yeah. So uppers and downers and no wonder. And it's legal and it's expected. So it's no wonder so many of us get into, you know, problems with it because it works till it doesn't work. Right. I'm, I'm allergic to, to pet hair like really badly mm-hmm. and I've many many situations I've been really really drunk and around cats and dogs and I'm absolutely fine and that's kind of made me realize how bad alcohol is I should yeah. I should be reacting right now when I don't feel anything that's terrifying yeah so it's almost like an anesthetic mm. um, quality to it which I think it does I think you know when when we start looking at it you know in terms of you know, I know, I know for many people, you know, when we stop drinking, and for me, it's like, okay, I had to hate it. I like, I had to go. I just hate this. It didn't do anything for me because I couldn't allow the possibility that I liked it for anything. Cause I'm, I, you know, I'm neuro, neurodivergent as well. So I was like, yeah. I can't, there can't be like any kind of like in there. It just has to be hate. But actually yeah. as the, you know, as I, grew in my sobriety I was like oh I did I did and I used it for x y and z Mm -hmm. and for me you know that sort of um yeah regulating regulating myself because I had not learned to or acknowledged being able to regulate myself so Mm -hmm. in in a sensory way was really big numbing out tiredness you know, numbing out of the pain of tiredness. It was like, uh, you know, what is that? It was like, wasn't like often trying to go out and have fun, like you're supposed to, you know, I'm doing air bubbles at you. But, you know, to sort of, yeah, just drinking on, for me, it was like drinking on the sofa because I was tired. And it's like, oh man, that's shit. That's really shit. <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, a lot of that, you know people can relate to and you're certainly not not alone with that but I'm I'm interested as well because you just cycle back and talk about um your brief drinking history and the element of your you know you're from Morocco you said originally originally yeah. originally Morocco so your Muslim um mm-hmm. background you yeah. um yeah, and how that's a, so unpick, unpack that for us. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm Moroccan, born and bred in France, uh, but at home, it's really different to some families I've seen here. In my family, we, we were Moroccan, like 100% Moroccan. So that means speaking Arabic at home, eating Moroccan food most of the time, you know, the way we dress, the way we act. And also Islam is not just a religion, it's so intertwined with your lifestyle when you're Muslim. Well, for most people and for, for us, obviously. 
from that one, whenever I talk about religion and culture, I'm just going to be talking about obviously my experience. I don't want to generalize. Yeah. Um, so alcohol was very, very, very taboo. But actually, my dad was drinking when I was a child. I just my, so it was just me and my sister at the time, and maybe my brother as well. But he was really, really young. And I think they just thought maybe we wouldn't understand when it was very blatant. I remember it so vividly. It's quite interesting how we remember some spe specific times of our childhood. Um, I remember the smell. I remember what kind of drinks he was drinking. It was just, you know, during the day. I can't, I don't know if it was a problem. I would assume so because he ended up in hospital with hepatitis. Um, I'm pretty sure it's related. I, it took me a yeah. few years to realize okay um we never talk about it with my siblings we i think joke about it maybe like once a year will come up as a joke in a conversation um and obviously he he stopped after a while um and there was also maybe one or two men in the community that knew, that were smoking and drinking and he was all like oh my god look at him if that you know that that kind of thing um so um, i was never really interested in it um but when I went, to, I went to uni, I did four years of uni without touching alcohol. I was absolutely not interested in it. I had my circle of friends, but then uh, France is really different to here. Uh, obviously here it's, it's a whole thing, but in France, I had my, you know, my friends had a bottle of red wine to share be between five people <laughs> around dinner. Um, mm. So it was, I had no pressure at all. Maybe there was a bit of weed every now and then around me, but yeah, no pressure at all. It's only when I moved to the UK that uh, I realized that it was completely hand, hand in hand with socializing. So I moved to the UK as an au pair. So I was living in a host family. So it was still a bit of a family situation, but it was my first, well, second time away from home. First time being during my master's. I went, I was still in France, but um, four hours away from my family. Um, so that's when my dating life has started as well. Um, kind of like my, I had a bit more freedom uh, because I was so scrutinized when I was uh, living at home uh, with, you know I would never go out really up until I did all my firsts at like 21 22 onwards I'm a very late bloomer uh, and I'm very happy about it no shame um, so when I moved here I was an au pair I was looking after two kids but it was only from Monday to Wednesday so I had my weekends from Thursday to Sundays and it was it was a great situation uh, my host family were amazing and they really wanted me to be to, to be integrated in the British culture so I, I could you know I was quite free to, to to go to go out and meet people in my spare time and I found this group uh, called Couchsurfing Brighton and Hove it's got nothing to do with actual couchsurfing but it's a, a meetup <laughs> group <laughs> it's a bit confusing but it's a meetup group for people who live in Brighton and want to meet people and every Wednesday we'd go to the pub and just hang out really I'm so so grateful I found this group because that's where I met some of my still friends now but <laughs> I just felt I, I I mean I you know I, I have a personality uh thank god for that um i'm pretty self-confident but when if if everyone else is drinking i'm just i'm obviously going to be disappearing it was just and also i was just a bit curious it was i don't think it was peer pressure no one ever told me you should drink you should try this i was just extremely curious i thought so if I drink this, I'm going to stop worrying about everything and I'm just going to be a bit more bubbly and what, like, why not? And I started with the very fruity ciders and it felt, I remember that day so well. 
because I it was planned I thought okay this day I'm going to try and drink um so I, w- I was wanted to make sure that I had a good dinner beforehand so I have emotophobia which is phobia of being sick so oh. I could not take any risk <laughs> any risks at all um when that when that happened my host family were away on a skiing trip so I was home alone which was also good I didn't want to come back drunk you know that would have been so weird um well I wasn't sure if I was gonna you know I didn't know um yeah it felt like such a big act of rebellion but it was also almost like a ex- science experiment yeah <laughs> you're really planning out all the variables right yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. that with everything I do anyway but yeah, yeah. um it was such a big deal and I had three ciders I think yeah and I felt yeah quite in I, I don't I don't know how to say that word in dehinibated yeah inebriated <laughs> no um uninhibited in, in, uninhibited <laughs> yeah 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 um, um there was yeah and then from from that day it just became a, a weekly habit and then it became five pints instead of three and then the rest is history <laughs> yeah but um, it, I, I had some horrible days of feeling extreme guilt I mean I feel a lot of guilt for many other things anyway I also had just started a relationship um, which also was my f- very first one and completely prohibited by my family um and they never knew about it it went on for four years you know they never knew about it um thanks to that relationship is the reason why I stayed in Brighton because I had no money at all after my au pairing job ended I just moved in with my partner at the time at his parents house and I lived with them for three years and a half which I'm so grateful for yeah and my partner as well obviously I'm, I'm not you know it's he doesn't have any responsibility in this story but uh, he was a very socially anxious person so we both kind of relied on drinking uh, and pre-drinking before going out and then drinking loads when there and he had such a good tolerance to alcohol as in he could drink six pints and look exactly the same like very stoic persons and and I felt like I had to keep up sometimes yeah. and also we didn't speak that much between us um, I could talk about this for hours, so I'm giving you a short version, but communication was very difficult between us. So most of the time we had to drink to get there, to be able to get there. So, yeah, <laughs> that's what happened. Yeah, so I'm, I'm interested in, like you said, that um, this, you know, the relationship was taboo mm-hmm. with your family. The drinking would have been taboo with your family. Um and I guess, you know, we've spoke, I think we spoke briefly before, but this again, this kind of feelings of taboos and intersection and shame, which seems to accelerate or exacerbate the likelihood of addictive behaviours, mm-hmm. substance use disorders. So you've got a few kind of layers there, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, so much shame. Yeah. And can yeah thank you for sharing that um what link would you make between the kind of shame that you were feeling um about the this taboo and the alcohol use I I do remember loads of teary conversations oh I used to 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 break down constantly like to cry all the time that was normal and the, now I see people drinking and not crying at the end of the night and I think oh okay so <laughs> it's not everyone um and every time I I would you know, end up crying to either my partner at the time or a friend anyone who would listen about how I'm trying to 
how I feel so guilty and shameful of just existing just because I'm I guess the black sheep um and I'm, I've never anything that I've done was never actually out of rebellion of just being who I am I just happen to be extremely different to everyone else in my family even my siblings who are my age more or less my age um it's just I don't I don't understand and I'm, I'm not trying to be different not trying to go against what my parents want I I've always been in between the two as well I'm I'm a practicing Muslim uh a lot of my friends here don't understand and just like my family wouldn't understand that I had this liberal progressive lifestyle as well so I think it, a lot of the drinking was for me to be able to access the, those feelings of and those very like deep conversations that I would never have sober um mm. absolutely not at the time it's just I just I just couldn't <laughs> didn't really have the words or anything um so I needed to get to that stage of me in tears in a pub or on the walk home or at home in my bedroom like I feel so guilty I'm scared of judgment from the people here but of judgment after death as well I mean (laughs) I feel I feel so bad for me six years ago honestly I want to go back in time and give them a hug (laughs) what do you think then you know you said that you would you would give yourself a hug for that person you were six years ago and it sort of leads me on to the question of what's the biggest areas of personal growth then that you've had over this time oh my god so much everything changed (laughs) oh I mean I'm obviously a different person to who I was at 24 23 so I'm going to be 31 in three weeks um oh my god so uh, (laughs) first um I don't I'm so much more self-confident as in like assertive I know what I want or no that's not true more like I know what I like and what I don't like um I don't do things for other people anymore most of the time obviously they're still I still want to please my parents and I still want to be everything for my parents and that's going to be a lifetime thing I think and that's okay Uh, I don't want to hear any any more from people who say it's your life don't worry about what your parents think this is like the worst advice I've ever been given oh yeah finding validation from within I think that goes with self-confidence as well but Mm. now yeah and from knowing what you like and you don't like um and I being so more much more comfortable with my own free time and my like just learning a new song on the guitar for example gives me so much more happiness and validation from within than if I did something for someone I don't know if I got really drunk for someone and they thought that was funny and we had a great time I used to just yeah it was just I had to it had to come from other people now it doesn't anymore at all Um, and I'm much more selective with my time and with the people I want to spend it with and when it comes to mental health um, well I think I've always been a positive person as in quite optimistic uh very resilient but I used to when I was younger uh, I just felt like everything was doomed <laughs> um when actually now I see my, my, my mental illnesses like a superpower and I wouldn't I, I wouldn't change it honestly um without my anxiety I wouldn't be so observe, observant and then I wouldn't be on time all the time like I am and you know 
what I think when we have difficulties, when we have struggles, when we're neurodiverse, when you've got all of those kind of layers, it's difficult to get behind that filter of there's something wrong with me. Mm. You know, all the time, it's so insidious. And I love what you said about the fact that that's a superpower and it gives you certain strengths and it gives you skills because I think that's the way to look at neurodiversity. Mm, That's the way to look at being alcohol free, no matter what the problems were. This is a superpower. These are skills. These are tools to to live and live well. Um, I'm interested in the um, what might be the way you look after your sensory needs now as well. So I still don't really know how to do that in in public. That's mm. unfortunately. Like I, I love to go to gigs a lot, um, and I, I still will go to pubs if people want to hang out in a pub. Uh, but I'm, I have no idea what to do with the noise, the smells. I just have to go through it. I think right now, uh, I got earplugs, which is great most of the time. But I, you can't have a conversation with them. <laughs> That's not possible. I can't hear a thing. Um, so I have my little uh, tub of, uh, not a tub, it's a little, tiny, tiny bottle of um, lavender essential oil that I like to have on me every now and then if I need a, a calming smell. Yeah. Um, but at home, I'm always under my uh, eight kilograms blanket. It's yeah, <laughs> it's a dream. blanket. <laughs> so good. Yeah. And I love, uh, I'm not sure if it's related to sensory, but I love uh, self-grooming. Uh, that's that's can change my mood so much like a nice to, to smell nice and to be very on top of my hygiene that makes me so happy <laughs> yeah 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 I think it is in that self-care sensory physical you know toolkit that, that we need so I like yeah I um you just reminded me I went to this conference um last month in Miami so having not done anything for literally years yeah, and, and only seen my family sort of all the way through the pandemic or done yoga with people it's literally that was it that's the only socializing I've done I got on a plane and then was with 500 other women in recovery in Miami right oh um and I totally lost my shit <laughs> yeah I bet <laughs> well, I actually was sitting I mean I loved it but I had a whole I had to have one of those days in bed within a darkened room listening to kind of some like yoga nidra music because I was like okay I need to do an intervention on myself and I had to wear my noise cancelling headphones at dinner one night I was like wowzers because there's that layer as well of just not being used to this after lockdown which so many people in the sober community actually loved because it was like so many of us have that those sensory needs and drank to make the world go quiet in pubs because we were told that's how we had to socialize mm-hmm. but we couldn't cope with it it's like oh my goodness I didn't realize I drank so much to make the world go quiet or to make to bring the lights down a little bit yeah absolutely um and it's crazy isn't it when you think about it it is it, once you start to look at it the fact that we have you know, shoe like so use that word again, shoehorned our ways into being social, being acceptable, being likable, just all the shirts, just mm. all the shirts. Man, just too much. Exhausting. 
it's exhausting it bloody is it's exhausting and I love the fact that you do your radio show to talk about this and to shine a light on all the stuff and your experiences and I just wanted if you could talk to us about your radio show yeah Slaxity Radio was born on 1st of January 2021 Um, my friend had uh, a radio a music radio show on it so I thought I'll give them an email and with a, an idea. I didn't think that they would be interested. My So my idea was um, I'd love to have like just an hour once a month to talk about other people who like me. I've always been the outsider and what it looks like now as an adult. Um, so I was, um, it was the year where I turned 30 and I know it's just society putting things into your head, but I made it a massive deal because it was really, it, it has really been a turning point in my life. I've so much more myself uh, since um, just giving less, you know, I, I can't swear, sorry, but um, <laughs> oh, I'll swear, giving less fucks. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, I wasn't sure if I could swear. So yeah, giving less fucks. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so with um, and also, it's just it was an excuse for me to reach out to people who would be like me and it, to push myself to actually do research and look for people who would be like me because there is no way I'm, I am the only queer Arab or queer Muslim even though it, it has felt like it all my life um, where actually I so I found this charity called Hidayah back in 2018 the way I found them was uh, fantastic it was at Brighton Pride I was just watching the parade and I see three four people uh, passing by with a big banner that says LGBTQI plus Muslims Hidayah I also lost my shit <laughs> um that was and then the next the following year I was in the parade with them and I still had so I made so many friends from that group uh, some of them were on my radio show um I've I tried and, and talked to a few different people so some people of color who are not necessarily Muslims or some uh, Arabs or South Asians who grew up Muslim but are not Muslim anymore and we've had yeah incredible conversations just made me feel a little bit less anxious every time uh, it's nice to because it's so easy to be in your own head I've, I've had quite a sheltered upbringing I don't know how I turned out the way I turned out is this is a mystery to me too <laughs> really like being so like it's proof I'm living proof that you don't have to you know if you hear homophobic things or racist things at home that doesn't mean you have to be that so people that use that as an excuse is absolutely not a valid excuse um we all you know we all have our own brain and we can just read a book and get educated mm, not yeah. that if you want do to the do work exactly do if bloody work. Yeah. Oh, absolutely um a lot of uh, the conversations i've had were about like shame and guilt that you have from um a religious upbringing so that was quite an important one for me so i'm i don't want to i've never wanted to reject a religion as i said i'm still practicing muslim but it's a it's a daily work for me to to be at peace with everything you know it's so so hard and i have now a, a little group of um queer muslim friends who are all navigating, you know, secret relationships. <laughs> um, some are out to the family, some are not. It's so interesting to see how, obviously we are, we have this big thing in common, but we have all very different lives. Again, uh, people try and put us into groups. Yeah. Even sometimes POC is a bit of a problematic term when you think about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. We are so different. All of us just like 
all Christians are going to be different. All white people are going to be so fucking different, obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, it's just been really good to to have this conversation on a, a web radio. Um, I think I, I really hope we don't have um, stats just yet. It's quite, but I really hope some random people tuned in and and heard what we talked about. Amazing! I love that, and and it sounds like it's like because of all the structures. Well, it sounds like. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm just kind of reflecting. Um, but the all of the the structures, all of the shifts, all of the narratives put you put one in a place of having to barter off bits mm. and saying I've got to choose this bit yeah, exactly. and I can't have this so there's something about that the work that you're doing personally and professionally and socially which is giving me goosebumps <laughs> is is having these con conversations in order to integrate and create spaces for these parts that are not disparate they're not separate they've we've been told that they must be it's exactly that yeah <laughs> you it's on point um and yeah conversations also to show that you can it, it being muslim look has different faces as well being yeah. queer has different faces and it's way beyond expectations or society what society tells yeah. you and i guess you've got to start somewhere haven't you you know you said these umbrella terms are restricted then they're in at they're, they're insufficient to explain the complexities and the many different faces and many different voices but it's like creating spaces where those voices can be heard it's like the first the job isn't yeah. it it's um and what about what do you think then to bring it back to kind of being alcohol free and your choice to be sober how has that helped with your work? Well, first, I have freed up so much headspace mm. because I've, I'm not exaggerating when I say that 75% of my headspace used to be when am I going to drink next and how much is that going to be and in what context? And then probably the rest of that was recovering. Um, yeah. I have so much more time on my hand, um, so much more time to be creative and also willingness to be creative because I feel less numb. I'm not just powering through the week, uh, hoping, like waiting for my next time to get absolutely smashed. Yeah. Um, and also I've just been, I mean, I've always been super introspective, alcohol or not, but um, now with being alcohol free and with, finally being in my 30s which is so much better <laughs> yeah. so much better um I feel like I see things more clearly like like they actually are it's not just so emotional all the time I mean I am very emotional but not because of chemicals in my brain and mm. not because of a hangover or come down yeah um, just have more time and I have Saturday mornings now I have Sunday mornings um, I don't feel like death on Tuesdays anymore. Yeah, yeah. And you love the Monday morning. Like yes, I that. love the Monday mornings, yes. Because <laughs> of the structure yeah. of the week. I love the fact that we started on that when we were off there. Yeah. We were like, it's yeah. the thing I was so strange because I was just so happy when Monday morning rolled around. Obviously not when I was drinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But 
being a sober person I'm like thank god it's like yeah structure routine people know what they're doing everyone's in their place it's like yes Yes. yeah totally so my conversations with people are so much more real I used to think I had real connections with people when I was drunk and I would pay so much money to be able to see me in those conversations just I want because I thought I was genuinely connecting with people but I'm sure it was absolutely nothing because there's people now on me in my life yeah yeah that's it's so I think what we're told about alcohol in terms of the messaging around it you know we are told you can't have fun without me you can't connect Mm -hmm. without me um and I do think it's complicated for people who have sensory processing needs trauma um and the, the neurodiverse piece because we spend so much of that time dysregulated in flight, fight, mm-hmm. flight, if we don't know. So that when, that when alcohol kind of blunts that, it can feel like connection because we're coming out of fight, flight, but it doesn't last long yes. before we've become too, too numbed out and then we're not connecting either. Mm. So you get that feeling of loneliness as well where you haven't quite connected, but it's the nearest damn thing that you've got <laughs> or something like that. I, I don't know. That's my, my experience. Some um, people ask sometimes, I'm sure you've been asked that too, how do you have fun then? Mm. And I, I never know how to answer because it's such a stupid question. So what do you mean? <laughs> oh God. What, what do you do for fun then? What's what's your okay. um yeah. so I play guitar and sing in a band. We're called Sun and Air, uh, S-U-N Ambersand A-I-R. Uh, yeah. So it's alternative rock indie. I love playing with them. They're incredible musicians. We are actually headlining the Hope in Ruin on my birthday. On June 28th. Amazing. And I feel like the old me would have absolutely ruined that night um, because by drinking. And I'm so excited to be able to. So this is a dream coming true. And I'm knowing that I'm going to be doing it sober yeah. makes me so happy. Oh, I'm genuinely so happy because I'm going to be remembering everything. I'm going to be 150% present and I'm going to be playing at my, at my best, really. Amazing. So, um, play with them a lot we practice quite regularly we've got a few gigs every now and then um teaching myself the bass and the synth um what else I love to go out and take photos um I so I do running long distance as well um I'm surprised it didn't come up any earlier actually because obviously another reason why I stopped drinking is to be a better runner but uh, unfortunately I got an injury in January so I haven't done that in a while but I'm on the on the mend, and as soon as I'm better, I will get back to training for marathons. Uh, that's quite a big part of my life. I love to cook for people, especially some socializing. If I socialize with people, it has to be around food or board games. That's my two favorite things. Yeah. Um, I go to the cinema three times a week. I go to gigs whenever I can, um, and I love to watch TV as well. Like what TV shows? I'm sorry, you haven't got time to drink. No, absolutely not. <laughs> no time or money (laughs) (laughs) I have a question to ask it's a bit left field but I was wondering if you have a guitar handy and you play would you play a tune um sure would you amazing (laughs) amazing we've never had this on the podcast but I'd love to hear a tune Dance me around the room. I want to see your heart burning down and bloom. I want to 
gonna see your heart burning down and bloom Take me for a ride and smear around the room Wanna see your heart burning down and bloom Wanna see your heart burning down Take me for a ride and smear around the room I want to see your heart burning down in bloom I want to see your heart burning down In your eyes, all I said was true. You really like your games, you play me like a fool. You really like your games, and you played. Shadows in your eyes, all I said was true. You really like your games, play me like a fool. Really like your games, and you played. just being so up for that of like yeah hell I'll do it it's brilliant um I love that it wasn't planned actually that's better yeah just, yeah no that's yeah, why not? It's it's fantastic <laughs> um so just just before we we close just give us yeah tell us your plans and projects you've got coming up in the future 
Okay, so I I am headlining the Hope and Ruin on June 28th with my band. It's such a big deal. I don't think you understand how big of a deal it is. <laughs> it's going to be our first headline gig and it's one of the best venues in Brighton and one of my favorite ones. Um, tickets are available on our Instagram. So it's we are sun air at we are sun air. Uh, there's all the details there. Yeah. And I'm planning on moving to Manchester in August, which is very exciting I'm terrified but it's kind of part of it's so intertwined with my alcohol free journey because thanks to that I've been able to start saving and just kind of removing myself from uh, as much as I adore Brighton and I will miss it so much I think it's time for me to move on from the whole party scene um, and just try something new and start, start fresh somewhere new where everyone will know me as someone who is sober anyway um because here I've, I still have friends who tell me are you still doing the sober thing and I'm I'm, I'm, I'm done with that um yeah so, so next part of the yeah. journey next chapter mm -hmm. right yes awesome um so yeah so we'll link all of where people can find you below um so I'll get that from you and people will be able to see that in the show notes and check mm -hmm. out hints and their band sun and air um yeah so we can we can do that locally i'll try and come along i'd love oh, to that would be amazing. yeah be amazing. and also you are a panelist at the club soda mindful yes. drinking festival on the 9th of of july so mm. very kindly uh, agreed to come on and talk talk with me and with another with mm. some of the brilliant panelists for that so that would be awesome um and so what is your, we always finish with, what is your tip of the day and your reason to love sober? My tip of the day, listen to your guts and not to what everyone else is telling you. They, if anyone is sort of questioning your sobriety, it's, all, it's a reflection on themselves. Uh, you're going to make a lot of people very uncomfortable, but that's their problem. Um, a reason to love sober, I, have, I love being able to wake up at six in the morning on a Saturday and have so much time ahead of me <laughs> um, and I can you know go for a walk along the seafront go for a run and not feel so terrible about myself and not having to replay very awkward conversations or situations from the night before <laughs> I love it yeah I mean yeah like could be like a million reasons it's like but that is like yeah. hell to the air <laughs> I can all relate to that <laughs> Thank you so much, Hint. It's been amazing to speak with you and to hear your yeah, and your song. So, if you're immediately concerned about your drinking, please do just reach out, send up a flare uh, to hello at lovesober.com, or check out one of the online communities. Uh, there's so many out there now. So, just find your fit. Know that you're not alone, um, and we'll see you soon for some more chats. Bye.